This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm Tyrus. I'm Liz Clayman. I'm Greg Jarrett. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, April 25th, 2022. U.S. diplomats will head back to their posts in Ukraine as the Biden administration opts to reopen the U.S. embassy in Kiev. What will the career staff of the U.S. State Department do in that country? All it can. You need to help change the situation on the ground so that Ukraine succeeds. And Russia is pushed out of Ukraine and frankly experiences a military defeat. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin just became the most senior U.S. officials to visit Ukraine in the midst of it defending itself against Russian aggression. And with their visits and the posing for photos with Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky comes the announcement the U.S. will reopen its embassy and its consular offices. Shortly after their visit, the Russians struck the very same rail lines on which the two American officials had been traveling. It should remind everyone that these diplomats will be putting their lives at risk. The the drawback is obvious which is that Ukraine is still uh, being attacked by Russia. Russia is periodically sending bombs and missiles to different Ukrainian cities, including Kyiv. And so there's a, there's a risk to personnel. So you'd want to be very careful about what, you know, your, you know, your movements, your facilities. Um, you can't control 100% for everything. So you're accepting a certain level of risk because there's a war going on. Ambassador Kurt Volker is the former U.S. Special Representative to Ukraine. He's also a former U.S. Ambassador to NATO. But that being said, there are uh, a whole lot of reasons why it is important to be there. Um, Number one is that's where the government of Ukraine is. That's where they're operating from. That's where the people are that you would need to interact with. And you certainly get a much better understanding of the situation, both Uh, from the people and also from being there yourself so that you can better understand and communicate back to the government in the United States what's going on and what's needed. Uh, It's also a big morale boost for the Ukrainians. They are living through this war, uh, doing remarkable things to, um, to, to defend their country, to strengthen their country. And for foreign embassies to say, well, you're on your own, you know, we're not here. Um, that's really demoralizing for the Ukrainian people. And so getting back there is important. And I would note that the European Union has already moved its embassy back to Kyiv. Uh, the British are doing that. Several individual EU countries are doing that. Uh, the U.S. is uh, acting with much more caution. 
we are, however, according to the announcement made by Secretary of State Blinken, we're going to be at least moving some of our diplomats back into Lviv, uh, a western city in Ukraine close to the Polish border, uh, where uh, you're at least in Ukraine, but you're still not where the, the heart of the, the government and the operations are. Uh, that being said, uh, I have to think that whatever uh, operations start up again, it won't be business as usual uh, for uh, for an embassy of ours in a in a foreign nation. Uh, that our diplomats will have to be dealing with certain uh, things. I, I would imagine that there will be plenty of Ukrainians trying to find their way to the United States through uh, uh, through legal channels and and be popping into these uh, to this embassy or to a, a consular office of some sort in Lviv. Uh, what what do you think or what do you think will be the main tasks uh, these diplomats will be uh, undertaking uh, once they get back into operation? Well, I think the most important task is coordinating our policies and our actions with the Ukrainian government. So, what are their military needs? Are they getting the supplies to where they are needed? Are there shortfalls or gaps that emerge? Are there training issues that need to take place? Are there financial issues facing the government? What's happening with the economy and our tax revenues coming in? Are people employed and working and getting paid? Um, And how can we think of ways to provide assistance, whether it's humanitarian assistance, whether it's economic or technical assistance, budgetary assistance, military assistance? There's just a whole lot that we need to be coordinating with Ukrainians on on a day-to-day basis. So that's number one. Uh, Second, as you said, um, there will be Ukrainians who want to come to the United States, whether as visitors or possibly as refugees, although I think that that is diminishing a little bit at the moment. Uh, But we do do need to be able to provide services there. Uh, We have urged a long time ago Americans to leave Kyiv and to leave Ukraine. Uh, I imagine some of them will start to be going back. So there's also a need to be available to provide American citizen services. Uh, So there's a a whole range of functions. As you say, it won't be exactly like an embassy in peacetime with the full staffing and the full complement of activities that an embassy does. But some of these basic uh, essential tasks, I think, will be coming back uh, as soon as we get our personnel back in country. You know, the United States obviously wants to see this resolved. Uh, So do uh, so do the other NATO nations. They they want this obviously to uh, uh, to all end uh, and to start rebuilding. Uh, There have been uh, uh, the obvious uh, attempts at deterrence, things like sanctions, the uh, the arming of the Ukrainian military. Um, What do what can or uh, a career diplomat or, or a force of career diplomats do to help? Uh, further this goal, um, you know, not not necessarily the Secretary of State or the Secretary of Defense, who were just the uh, just visiting there. They're the highest ranking Americans to visit at the, this time. But, uh, you know, our State Department is is filled with people who have made a career trying to, you know, kind of keep the peace around the world. So so what can the career diplomatic uh, corps uh, uh, do to help uh, further that goal. A lot of people don't don't know what these these very important and 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 uh, and very proficient people do for a living and and how they can be helpful. Yeah, and this is kind of a special case where there is not going to be peace as long as Putin is in power. Um, he he's launched this war unprovoked in order to try to exterminate Ukraine and Ukrainian people. Ukrainians have fought back and 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 defended themselves honorably 
and push the Russian forces back to the eastern part of the country. Ukrainians are not going to be satisfied with Russia occupying parts of eastern Ukraine. They're going to want to continue to fight. And frankly, Putin, uh, he's trying to regroup his forces right now, but he's planning to continue to attack. So we have to be working uh, not so much for saying, oh, let's have peace today, let's have a ceasefire today. We need to help change the situation on the ground so that Ukraine succeeds. And Russia is pushed out of Ukraine and, frankly, experiences a military defeat. Uh, that is what the U.S. arms assistance to Ukraine now is meant to do. And as, as I noted earlier, it's just a lot of coordination uh, between the U.S. and other allies and uh, with Ukraine that needs to take place on an ongoing daily basis. The, the high-level visit that we just had with Secretary Blinken and Austin is great. That's important that they did that. But the follow-through will be even more important. And it'll, it'll be continuing news, continuing changes, continuing events day by day by day. And that's really what your, your full-time diplomats are there for. You've been hearing Ambassador Kurt Volker, a former U.S. representative to Ukraine, speaking about the continued war in Ukraine and the resumption of U.S. diplomatic activity there on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. We'll have more straight ahead. You have been uh, the special representative to Ukraine in the past. You were also the ambassador to NATO. Um, we haven't seen a conflict like this, obviously. I think every, everyone has said we haven't seen such a conflict like this since the days of World War II. Um, but uh, having spent time with the Ukrainians, uh, this, didn't, this didn't happen overnight. These things have been building, obviously, over time. Of course, people know about uh, uh, Crimea and uh, and the like, but... Uh, that this hasn't existed really in a, in a vacuum. So, from a a, a diplomat standpoint, uh, you know what what is your perspective on how this got to this point? Uh, were were mistakes made on the Ukrainian side? Did they not take things seriously enough? Uh, did the Americans not pay as much attention? Did did NATO not pay much attention? Um, had you continued in your role past uh, 2019, what? What might you have brought to everyone else's attention? If they, I know hindsight's always twenty twenty, but uh, yeah. you, you obviously have a, have a perspective that that not many other people have, and I'd just love to hear your thoughts. I want to think back even before Russia invaded Ukraine in twenty fourteen. Uh, I happened to be at the Munich Security Conference with Secretary of Defense Gates in two thousand and seven when Vladimir Putin went there and gave this uh, now famous speech where he basically declared that the post-Cold War period was over, Russia was an aggrieved party, and he, they were going to start taking things into their own hands and pushing back on this Western security architecture, which he viewed as disadvantageous, if not humiliating, for Russia. Uh, a real throwback to kind of the KGB Soviet narrative uh, of the late 80s rather than something from 2007. Um, we heard all that. We downplayed it. We didn't think that he was serious about trying to reconstitute a Russian empire. And we saw signs along the way. So uh, later that year, they suspended implementation of the Conventional Armed Forces in Europe Treaty. Uh, that was meant to reduce the numbers and concentrations of conventional forces in Europe by both um, Russia and Warsaw Pact countries at the time, 
and the U.S. and NATO countries. And they just stopped implementing it. And we didn't declare them in violation. We didn't um, extract any uh, sanctions or punishment on Russia for doing so. We just kind of hoped that they would come back into compliance. Um, then they invaded Georgia in 2008, and they took two, ter- two provinces from Georgia, Ossetia, um, South Ossetia and Abkhazia. And we had a few responses to that in late 2008, but when President Obama came in, we did this reset policy with Russia and just acted as if this hadn't happened. Uh, then, you know, a few years later, you have things like Russia suspending implementation of a confidence-building uh, document called the Vienna document. You have them violating the INF Treaty and fielding and deploying intermediate-range missiles that are banned by the treaty. Uh, and time and again, we didn't really identify what Russia is doing and push back as hard as we could. But then finally, when uh, they block Ukraine from becoming an associated country with the European Union, they, they have a pro-Russian president at the time, and they instruct him to you know, not sign the deal. People go out in the street and protest, and this leader, Yanukovych, uh, authorizes security forces to kill a hundred of their own citizens. This puts Ukraine in, you know, into an outrage. The parliament votes him out of office. He flees the country. And then a couple of months after that, Russia starts this invasion, takes over Crimea. Uh, we didn't do enough at the time. We, we urged the Ukrainians not to fight back rather than helping them fight back or defend their territory. Uh, Russia moves swiftly to claim to annex Crimea as well. And within a few months, they do it again. They, they launch a war in eastern Ukraine. And again, we were slow to respond, half measures to respond. And even during this time, from 2014 until uh, he left office, President Obama kept in place a ban on lethal defensive arms going to Ukraine. And it was only during the Trump administration uh, when I was working on this that we were able to push through lifting this arms ban on Ukraine so they could get the first javelin missiles so that they could stop Russian armor if it were to invade further into Ukraine. Uh, I think that was a good step. We took other good steps as well, such as uh, pushing back on uh, Russian intelligence operations in the United States, closing the consulate in in San Francisco, um, increasing sanctions on Russia, declaring a permanent non-recognition policy for the seizure of Crimea, all of those things. However, we could have and should have done even more to help build up Ukraine militarily so that it would be more obvious to Russia that they could not successfully invade and take over Ukraine. I think it was this miscalculation in February that Putin thought his military is better than it is. He thought the Ukrainians were a lot weaker than they are, and he thought the West had no resolve, uh, especially after the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the way it played out. So all of that led to this gross miscalculation by Putin that he could invade Ukraine and have a swift military victory. Completely wrong. And now we are seeing thousands and thousands of lives lost. Uh, We are seeing the war crimes committed by Russian forces in many places in Ukraine, the complete destruction of the city of Mariupol, which previously had about 450,000 people, and the continuing standoff and effort to starve out the remaining inhabitants and the military defenders of that city. All of this should have been avoided Um, And perhaps we could have avoided it if we had done more to help Ukraine build its military capabilities better and faster back when we had the chance. Ambassador Kurt Volker, thank you so much for sharing your perspective here 
on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.